0: Buying insurance is a latent need. Uh, most people postpone uh, this in their lives and don't think that it's uh, it's an important decision early on in their lives. Mm. I would imagine
1: this to be very similar to how a big basket or a lens card process the order and after that they ask for So the order is confirmed. Now you can pay in whatever fashion in big basket and okay. the order is confirmed on a lens card and you can now put your power afterwards.
0: Actually, the, the reality in India is a lot of people have insurance plans which they don't know. Uh, what they do from the employer or whatever yeah so either uh, you know they would have bought it as part of uh, you know it was mandatory to along with the home loan Uh, or let's say some family member recommended that you take this lic plan so they would have a couple of policies but they wouldn't
1: know what they do for them Besides, i have a strong relationship with the brand of bank insurance from so i'm okay to retain that app on my phone and kind of watch it every once in a while correct but what are the use cases except renewal, renewal payments? This is just once a year. This is the constant battle, right? Because would you rather have higher quality leads which have an intent which is clear? Or would you have a whole bunch of people who just intend you to check quotes because you're spending money across the whole funnel for each of these? Every single call costs money, right? <laughs> User engagement and retention is a crucial but least understood aspect of a growing a successful business. We are here to change that. Hi, this is Ankur. Join me as I dive into conversation with the best and brightest minds, user engagement, to help you navigate the why, what and how of this subject. Hi, good morning. Welcome to one more episode of the State of Retention Marketing Podcast. Here with me today is Samir. Spent a meaningful amount of time in the industry lately with MaxLife Insurance. But before that, he's done a lot of good work with ShopLose and Make My Trip. Sameer, thank you for doing this, and welcome on board. My pleasure. So, well, uh, maybe let's have you do the introduction for yourself in terms of your journey and you know what's got you to the point where you are.
0: Uh, yeah, I've uh, it's been a long career. I've I've moved industries, I've moved roles. I started as a techie. I was a software developer with Infosys and Oracle early part of my career. Then after MBA, I did uh, sales category roles. And then moved on to digital uh, when I was in Make My Trip. I've been in various functions. I've I've done uh, on site marketing, I've done customer engagement, I've set up digital analytics uh, for organizations, and then um, uh, acquisition and uh, engagement at uh, MaxLife. Now I've actually. Engineering to sales to category to this.
1: Quite yes. a diverse view.
0: Yes. Um, in the last one and a half, two years, I've now moved from a uh, head of digital to uh, uh, managing PL for our uh, website business, and uh, it's Mm -hmm.
1: been a very fulfilling journey for me. Very interesting. So Subhi, the website would be a fairly dominant part of your attention span at the company level as well by now, I would imagine. Yes. uh, uh,
0: So uh, we've we've, uh, figured out that almost um, if we're doing 100 rupees of uh, agency business, which is the larger part of our business. Uh, Ten out of those customers visit our website before they actually buy offline. Wow! So it's it's not just the the might of uh, the online business that we have. Uh, website is like the storefront for the larger organization. Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, sure. So this is also translating into uplift in your other parts of the business while there's direct business here there is also indirect influence on the other parts of the business yes very cool so insurance has become a relatively competitive space now in my impression and there is a lot of uh, let's say aggregator play that's also playing out which is I'm assuming driving a part of the business so in your case uh, what does the you know play look like in terms of acquisition how aggressive do you go how competitively do you play what kind of market share do you probably claim and you know what are the different products within insurance that you are expecting to uh, focus on or sharpening your expense on okay
0: so uh, yes you were right in mentioning that uh, you know uh, aggregators have um, changed the space completely and and that's why that's when online business started growing uh, significantly term insurance was the dominant product for the longest time because um, it was a vanilla product easily understood by consumers uh, it didn't have many uh, hidden clauses uh, you know which for which you need uh, somebody face-to-face explaining the nuances of the product. And hence, that was the dominant uh, product for the longest time. But now, there are savings-led uh, insurance products that have now started picking up. Uh, two dominant categories, uh, one where you get guaranteed returns and another where you get market-linked uh, returns along with uh, insurance. Right. So, we are all, all three are now picking up and mm. um, uh, the space is quite heated. Uh, the competition is very intense. Uh, Most brands are not only looking to maximize their um, share on the aggregator platform, they're also wanting to build their own muscle uh, on their own website because they understand that the brand plays an important role in this space because Mm. it's uh, insurance is a long term contract, right? Uh, When you buy insurance from an organization, you will be there
1: for 40 years, 50 years and and hence the brand plays a significant Mm. role. Sure. So and this is uh, still a massively expanding category in some sense, right? So all the aggression that's going into marketing uh, is that meaningfully helping expand category, or is there a lot of market share grabbing already happening in terms of just shifting trying to trying to shift people from one brand to the other? It's it uh,
0: depends on year to year. So uh, the two years of COVID, uh, there was significant surge that the category mm-hmm. witnessed in terms of consumer intent. Sure. Uh, but last year, post COVID, uh, uh, the consumer intent went down and it was expected also because the uh, demand for certain industries is cyclical in nature and obviously we maxed out during the two years of covid so there sure. was uh, it, it had to um, correct somewhere mm-hmm. uh, yeah so so in if if i was to specifically talk about last year it was mostly about mm-hmm. grabbing more market share for most players because the the overall pie wasn't expanding mm-hmm. but yeah in a four year to five year see-a-year frame the industry is growing at 30 to 40% year-on-year. It's
1: quite healthy. Yes. I mean, it's one of the good growth spaces in that sense compared to a lot of other spaces. 30 to 40% CAGR sounds great. But given the nature of competition and given that uh, the CACs slash the bids Mm -hmm. on Google will always remain crazy, how do you navigate this? Are you like grow super aggressively kind of mindset or no more calibrated, controlled kind of approach?
0: No, we want to grow aggressively. We want to grow faster than the market. Mm -hmm. But we've realized that... um, We cannot continue to sustain our growth uh, only uh, focusing on acquisition Mm. uh, because, as you rightly said, the cost of media will continue to become more expensive Uh, and hence you have to figure out uh, the entire funnel. Uh, We have a fair understanding of the full funnel uh, for the customer. Uh, How do we ensure that our buying journey is is the most friction free Mm. uh, compared to others in the market? We, uh, We not only benchmark ourselves to the other brands. Uh, we also benchmark ourselves to the aggregator. And um, uh, I think we we uh, our target is to provide a more seamless buying experience sure. uh, than uh, even on the aggregator website.
1: You, know, you kind of preempted my next question. So you mentioned the whole full funnel. Uh, you can buy traffic, but beyond that, everything is in your control. So maybe yes. let's just break down your funnel some in terms of uh, what typically happens as a 1st where consumer discovers you or maybe you're doing awareness efforts and then there is consideration and then there is uh, conversions, you know, what is your funnel and what is your uh, ju- user journey look like? So, uh, you
0: know, uh, because of the uh, category, uh, it's not a very pull-led uh, category and mm. we have to do a lot of work uh, at the top of the funnel stage because buying insurance is a latent need. Most people postpone this in their lives and don't think that it's, it's an important decision early on in their lives. Mm. However, now they've started to realize the later you push this the more expensive, expensive it will get and also um, it's in the early part of your years uh, that your liability is the highest mm. right um, when you turn 50 60 there're not too many dependents that you have right yeah. so so it's a decision that you ought to take early on in your life mm. um, yeah so a lot of work uh, is done on uh, top of the creating top of the funnel
1: and, and usually both sides here sorry just to uh, expand this bit top of the funnel could be about brand or could be about the category and how do you kind of allocate attention to these two? Because everyone's trying to create the category and you're trying to create the category plus also a preference for your brand.
0: Yeah. So uh, the focus is on, um, I'd say, uh, generating a funnel for the business. Of course. Uh, the brand consideration and awareness is an offshoot of what we, we do. do. Okay. So, um, uh, you know, while we continue to focus on maximizing ROI of whatever money we deploy, uh, uh, increasingly we figured out that there are certain uh avenues certain channels certain placements where um, the the impact on brand is also significant sure right
1: so so we try and maximize and both that's measured using those brand metrics kind of uh, awareness preference respectively yes. okay yes so uh, we try
0: and uh, do a bit of both uh, because uh, the way the industry operates it it uh, marketing dollars um uh, come as a part of the revenue that you do sure right it's, it's still not a very brand led category yeah Uh, And hence, uh,
1: we have to do justice to both. Fair enough. So we're talking about the buyer journey and the funnel how it plays out. So you have some places where you've discovered that the branding is also getting a bit of a boost while you're still getting your ROI from whatever traffic you're generating from those sources, right? right? So, you know, let's just say there's an example platform X from where somebody has discovered it and they've now become traffic for you. So they've come to your interfaces. How does the journey flow from there? What are the different interfaces where you enter people from and how do they go in from there?
0: So, um, uh, as I mentioned, primarily we have um, two product lines, term uh, insurance and uh, savings-slash-investment-led plans. So, we run separate campaigns for both. Hmm. And um, uh, irrespective of whether it's term or savings, you usually land on a lead page. uh, Because as as a category, we are hungry for um, leads. And um, the first step that we want a user to do is to fill in their uh, name, phone number, uh, give their date of birth, gender and so on hmm. uh, and then uh, they get on to the uh, buying journey where they will decide what plan works for them best uh in and case it's
1: still happening on the web interface so somebody's leading that come to a landing page filled up a lead form yes which has a bunch of form fields which you're trying to make the most of in terms of information you need yes. from there they get to a choice of plans yes. which would have a certain level. it's kind of the catalog page for Correct. an e-commerce platform Correct. okay Correct.
0: so um so they, they select what plan works for them best and um, uh, and then you can add riders to your plan uh, and then eventually uh, you make payment uh, and post you make the payment uh, there's a long proposal form uh, because there are a lot of uh, information like uh, that we need to capture right in terms of your kyc your financial uh, your address hmm. uh, and uh, your own declarations about your health and so on so it's it's a fairly lengthy form um after that, uh, uh, you know, every policy goes for decisioning. So we, we don't uh, issue a policy to everybody uh, who wants to buy from us. Everybody's case goes through checks where we check their uh, financial background, we check their medical background. Sometimes we do medical tests for these consumers
1: and eventually a policy is issued.
0: So it's a fairly if long... It happens
1: before the long... Uh, f- the policy document plus the tests and approval process. The payment actually happens before that.
0: Yes. the The only reason for that is because uh, the proposal form is fairly long, hmm. and um, you don't want to drop uh, off there. If if we were to uh, make them fill the proposal form before they make the payment, fifty uh, percent of our funnel would be wiped off.
1: But so. this is something that you've switched recently, or has this always been? It's, the case? it's
0: something which the industry is following for the last yeah. uh, four or five years. Uh, they've realized that um, uh, that bit of friction is something that we cannot eliminate. Mm. We have to live with it. Mm. And hence, um, uh, we take the payment
1: first up. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I would imagine this to be very similar to how a big basket or a lens card process the order. And after that, they ask for So the order is confirmed. Now you can pay in whatever fashion in big basket. And the order is confirmed on a lens card. And you can now put your power afterwards. Correct. So if you were to do it before, obviously, there's going to be a final drop-off. So this seems to be a you know, somewhat smart thing to do to me to kind of reduce that funnel drop-off. But now zooming into the steps where you still would see funnel drop-offs, right? You had uh, the guy coming into the platform, filling up the form. Is there a kind of metric on the form filter that you're watching actively because that's a large part of what your spend looks like? And maybe there are some experiments to improve that number that you might have done and seen some success with.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the funnel is still a very leaky funnel uh, to answer your question. Let's say if you generate 100 leads, uh, only 4 or 5 of them make a payment
1: eventually. Hmm. Right. So it's, there's a, so that's still not bad. Huh? Uh, it's 100 leads. So the, yeah. uh, what would be the form fill rate if there's an indicator there?
0: Form fill rate is same as leads, right?
1: So uh, out of the clicks, the number Yeah, of you're saying
0: fills. out of, so click to lead would be about another 20%. Sure.
1: So, so 20% click to lead and then lead to uh, payment is Is about 4%. 4 to 5%. Percent. Wow. That's some sharpness. Yes. So hmm. it's,
0: it's a lot of funnel drop. Uh, uh, there are various reasons for it. Sure. Um, uh, one of the reasons is that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of information asymmetry mm. in insurance specifically, right? It's not easily understood by everyone. Uh, and uh, as an industry, we tend to use a lot of jargons. Uh, and the more time you spend uh, uh, in this industry, the more comfortable you get with the jar- with those jargons, then you feel that you know it's something that a user would mm. naturally understand. For instance, we use critical illness as one of the propositions that we give. It's not some- something which is easily understood by a layman. Sure. Uh, so that is one thing that we have to actively work on. The second is um, uh, our TG is very uh, sharp mm. uh, and uh, we don't get very deterministic signals on whether on Google or on Meta or any other advertising platforms to be able to sharply target uh, our audience. Mm. For instance, we we need somebody who's a graduate and above. We need somebody who's filing an ITR of five lakh and above. Um, and so on. so there are a couple of other age uh, cuts and all hmm. uh, and hence um, but you're you not know, able
1: to do these cuts on the current advertising platforms where you spend money We do off.
0: this to our best of our ability the extent you can show yeah it. but there's still about
1: thirty to forty percent of the
0: funnel is unaddressable hmm. uh, of the leads that we generate uh, are unaddressable and
1: uh, that's an ongoing struggle that we have. So the moment people come to the landing page, about eighty percent of them would leave without filling up the form. but if you could find hmm. a way of understanding more of these people that would kind of have a fairly large downstream impact. Correct. Um, You know, could you give us an example of uh, some of the experiments you've done on this particular aspect of landing to form fills and what has worked for you? Um, um, Yeah, so a couple of things that have really worked for
0: us. One is page load time. I think we we struck gold when we figured out that um, uh, the page needs to load in two to three seconds, even on a 3G fast network. Okay. Uh, you know, e- today you know we we assume that everybody is on fast network. Everybody has four G or five G uh, network on their phone. Mm. But the reality is, when you're traveling, you know, you're, you're on a metro or you're on the move, your network is not as uh, fast. Stated, right? right. So, uh, so the how fast does your uh, landing page load? Uh, has significant impact on on the funnel wow the the okay. second thing uh, we figured out is context carry forward mm-hmm. so you would have seen certain ads uh, whether on search or on display uh, are we carrying the same story on the landing page or not okay uh, if the two don't talk to each other then a the user might just feel that okay i saw some ad i've accidentally landed on some website which is talking about something else, something else. Hmm. so so carrying that context forward Sure. uh that is the second thing that's really worked mm. the third is uh, uh just how uh, simple form filling is mm. how many questions are you asking uh how difficult is it for the user to you know complete the whole form and move forward uh, and the fourth is uh, are you able to in that first few seconds tell him uh, what do you
1: offer okay
0: Right. So it's, it's a difficult job. So you say uh, what
1: do you offer, this is about differentiation or proposition or what is this? We talk about? So let's
0: say you're, uh, you know, you've landed on a term insurance lead page. Mm. Um, what does our term insurance plan offer? Uh, so we should be able to communicate that to the, the user. Most in the most important parts. Yeah, in the, the first few seconds. We, mm. we cannot have too much information because then it will clutter the page and the user's attention instead of filling the form could go on just reading the content. Uh, but we still have to do
1: uh, enough so that they understand what is it that they're here for. Sure. And uh, and among these experiments, would this vary a little bit depending on what kind of traffic <coughs> source they're coming from? Because you have, say, let's say, somewhat high intent search campaigns on Google and you have not clear search intent. I mean, there's no intent intent per se when you look at a meta kind of traffic source. Correct. So how do you differentiate between these two in terms of the treatment of people coming into these sites?
0: So um, yeah, of course, so depending on what was your search keyword, hmm. or depending on which creative you clicked on, uh, as I mentioned, the we, content there, content. there's a theme that we pass yeah. uh, as part of the URL of the campaign. And this is that theme, uh, the landing page is customized. That sure. is one thing that we do. Hmm. The second big thing is, as you mentioned, um, uh, somebody coming from search is an intent user, whereas somebody coming from display could, could just be exploring, right? sure. and hence um, uh, we assume Then if you're coming from display and this is your first visit to the website, even though you're clicking on, uh, let's say, a term insurance creative or you're clicking on a term insurance with money back creative or term insurance with critical illness creative, we assume that the intent is not clear. And ideally, uh, we've not done it yet, but we want to do some sort of a need analysis for this Mm -hmm. user Mm -hmm. rather than making him fill the lead form form directly. Mm -hmm. So that's an experiment that we're doing right now Mm -hmm. as we speak. Because we feel that, uh, 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 you know, this is a noise that we get from our sales also, that uh, a lot of these leads, um, when we call them or talk to them, they'll say, okay, we don't know why we were here it's for it. Know, yeah. we, we just landed accidentally. Hmm. And hence, it's important to understand uh, what life stage are they in,
1: hmm.
0: what is top of mind for them, and uh, why is term insurance important for them, if at all. Sure. We offer other products also on the website. So, it, yeah. It's quite possible that you clicked on a term insurance creative, but you end mm. up buying something else from us. So, um, we have to keep that conversation open, mm. at least for um, folks coming from display.
1: Sorry, so, you said uh, the display folks come in for term insurance. They've clicked an ad for term insurance, essentially, but okay. they ended up buying something else. Yes. But where does the discovery of that something else happen? Because if he's landing on a lead form, this is supposed to have a specific buyer journey. right? So, I mean, at what point does he navigate out of this buyer journey into something else? So
0: the, what we've done already is mm. um, for folks coming from display, um, we have a toggle uh, in the lead form where they can select between whether they want to buy term or they want to buy okay. savings investment. Uh, this is working for users who still know what a term product is and what a yeah. savings slash investment product mm. is. But a large audience would not even know the difference between the two. Mm. And hence, uh, what I was saying is that we want to do a need analysis. Mm. For this set of users, before they even get into the either the term bank journey or the savings, correct. You know, so one of the
1: things that maybe we do on the B two B side of things is to understand the top of the funnel actually does not land on a lead form; it lands on content. Correct. So you just educate the users more and more about the subject. Correct. Is this something you've considered, experimented, done anything? We have.
0: We have experimented within the past because, um, again, the hypothesis was that um, even if they read one paragraph of what is it that we are offering or what is term insurance, they are more likely to be engaged and um, uh, more qualified user going sure. forward. The intent gets stronger. In some yes, sense. but um, the, the session to lead dipped. Uh, I think uh, if, if it was, let's say, 30%, it dipped to about 20% or 15% when you we were mm. doing this experiment. And suddenly the whole ecosystem becomes very nervous, right? Especially the sales becomes very nervous because we have monthly targets and <laughs> yeah. uh, plans to meet. So uh, we've not been able to... Um,
1: Do justice with this experiment, I'd say. Are you able to stitch the full funnel? Because I would imagine if it's getting squeezed here, it'll be better downstream. But you don't know. It takes time, right? For
0: for this experiment, I'd say uh, for us to conclude this um, properly, we would need two to three months Hmm. because our look to book cycle is fairly long. Sure. eh? Right, and. it's it's just a matter of when are we willing to take that risk but mm-hmm. yes we're on that journey so whether yeah. it is exposing them to content first or just uh, a simple game which uh, makes them realize uh, what is important for them at mm. this life stage um, th- that's something that you want to do before we now, uh,
1: i'm actually curious in terms of uh, buying your first insurance ever versus you know you've had something for the last certain number of time and you may be looking to top up or expand or whatever These are very different personas as well and their education needs might also be very different. So I'm curious as to, you know, how do you address this given that this is a category expansion plus brand preference play that you're working on and there's a lot of nuance in this uh, treatment of these people. So at this point, from your advertising communication perspective, are you able to address these people differently?
0: If your question is whether this person has other insurance plans or not, I I don't think so. We are able to figure that out at the
1: initial stage. Would you consider that to be a useful variable for you to kind of Folk out the journeys?
0: We haven't thought about it. Um, actually, the the reality in India is a lot of people have insurance plans, which they don't know uh, what because they do. From the employer
1: or whatever. Yeah. So
0: either, uh, you know, they would have bought it as part of, uh, you know, it was mandatory to card. along with the home loan. Uh, or let's say some family member recommended that you take this LIC plan. So they would have a couple of policies, but they wouldn't know what they do for them. So uh, I wouldn't say that this user is more nuanced or or understands insurance better than somebody who doesn't mm. have an insurance plan.
1: Oh, so there's uh, a guy who's got insurance but doesn't get it. Yes. There's a guy who doesn't have insurance who also doesn't get doesn't it. Doesn't get so, it. Yeah. it so, so, the treatment is the same.
0: Yeah, so it's it's safe to assume that you don't get it <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and
0: try and solve for that uh, rather than the Yeah, very interesting.
1: So in terms of uh, the universe that you're chasing now uh, what kind of let's say spread of Facebook creators would you have simply from the point of view that these are the different campaigns you're running or messaging styles you're running Because at least age-based targeting is available, gender-based targeting is available. So within that ecosystem, what are the different structures of messages that you have?
0: So, uh, you know, we we talk about our uh, top propositions, um, uh, especially in term insurance. uh, There are four or five top propositions that work for us. Um, And we we have a good interplay um, in terms of what type of creative and placements we're using Mm. uh, to take those to market. But for the largest uh, time, uh, we were dependent on statics. Mm. Uh, So uh, 90 to 95% of our creatives on meta were statics because uh, all the video creatives uh, that we had gone live with, were majorly an offshoot of the brand films that we had okay. done. And we had uh, basically uh, adapted them for mm. digital, right? But uh, they never won uh, in terms of driving
1: ROI for There is a resonance Uh, of the message might be diluted if you're just doing brand play, right? That was
0: also but Second, uh, you know, we we realized that um, again, as I was coming to the point that uh, users are looking for more relatable content. Hmm. Um, When a celebrity is telling you something about insurance versus Hmm. uh, a a normal person who you relate with um, and uh, where the focus is on uh, the person rather than on the product or mm. the proposition. Mm. I think those um, kind of uh, video formats are working really well today. Sure. And um, in the last two to three months, we've pushed, push, pushed the pedal on this. And uh, already 25% uh, of our inventory is captured by the, that Reels format on Meta.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: which uh, makes us believe that you know if we can get to 40 to 50%, of our overall uh, impression share from these um, uh,
1: brands as versus UGC. Yeah, uh,
0: Mm. from the UGC content, then uh, the impact
1: on brand will be uh, significant. Plus, this is also in some sense uh, what we in our world call the middle of the funnel which is confidence boosters, right? So the guy who's kind of become aware, he still needs credibility around who you are and why he should choose you over the others. So, you know, all of this UGC fits in some form of a testimonial that should ideally inspire more confidence and credibility for the platform
0: we were actually doing a, a survey uh, in trying to understand why do users choose our brand mm-hmm. right so so they've bought from our website but we still don't understand why did they come and buy from us sure. right so uh, one of, one interesting thing that came out was that even before they came on our website or they went on the aggregator website they were actually searching for how to select the best insurance plan okay. on Google and on YouTube. And they did a lot of research oh. and they were only trusting independent uh, uh, bodies.
1: Slash bodies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: they were not trusting brands, what the brands were saying. They were only looking at independent blogs uh, mm-hmm. on Google and, uh, uh, you know, videos on YouTube. And they happened to recommend Max MaxLife uh, b- basis, various uh, parameters, so let's, product say, design
1: kind of wealth, let's say the market wealth. share,
0: the, the product feature, the yeah. service. A claims paid ratio which is an important part mm. in our industry and that's when uh, they decided okay uh, this seems to be the brand to go with mm. and that's when they would have visited our website or the aggregator website and made their choice mm. so the the research stage uh, uh, when actually the decision is happening of who, which brand to choose they're not even present yeah uh, when, you can't even be present uh, i'd like to
1: beg uh, to differ on
0: that so <laughs> Uh, you know, one of the key projects that we're working on now is uh, thought leadership Mm -hmm. uh, in in this space, right? How do we create thought leadership Mm. uh, where the outcome is not that the user will click on that ad and visit our website. The outcome is only to educate the user Mm. on what is the right way uh, to go about selecting which plan is best for you. Mm. Uh, And maybe then at least we'll be able to participate uh, at the research phase Mm. and have a better understanding of what the customer
1: wants. Would this be done on your own website or would you end up creating a separate real estate for this?
0: Yeah, so we've, um, I, I don't want to uh, disclose too much sure. information, but um, uh, there's a portal that we're working on, mm. uh, which is a content aggregator platform. Fair. And uh, similar to what an Investopedia would do or a TripAdvisor would do. Yeah. Um, it's very top uh, of
1: the funnel, very education focused yes, kind of content. Yes. So, makes so, sense. so we're working on that. Very interesting. So yeah, I'm in complete alignment of doing this. The reason why we're doing all of this education effort is... Similar approach that if you educate people well enough, they would make fair choices. And that fair choice, you will get your chances as well. Correct. So fully aligned on that one. Awesome. So, you know, so I'm going to come back to our funnel pace where uh, you had all of these different Facebook creatives. Now there's a bunch of UGC involved and you're driving traffic from there to the platform. And let's just say there are uh, gender segments, age segments, city segments, which are available. How does the treatment of somebody from a tier two city, male above 45, differ from... Something else, you know, what is the basis in which you would cut this out, and how do you treat them differently on your landing pages? Someone, I mean, any examples you can give from there?
0: The the key segments that we um, uh, focus on in our category is age, uh, because age is a surrogate of your life stage. Uh, that is key. Uh, so whether you're, um, uh, you know, a first jobber, or you're somebody who's newly married, mm-hmm. or uh, you're married with kids, uh, so that completely changes the conversation as to why are you. Uh, investing sure. or uh, buying a term insurance or a savings mm-hmm. slash investment plan that is one the second is um, uh, whether you're a salaried or a self employed so in our category uh, you have to provide uh, income proofs right and, and as i mentioned that you you need an itr uh, of 5 lakh and above to buy a term insurance plan so it's the journey is very different for a salaried individual uh, and very different for a self employed because sure. uh, most self employed won't have uh, in itr to prove mm-hmm. their income uh, so their itr would be let's say 3 lakhs but their income would be 30 lakhs yeah uh, so so the treatment is very different mm-hmm. so that's one key segment that we have and um, gender we're focusing on women uh, because traditionally the industry was focused on men uh, our key um, TG was uh, men because uh, they uh, they were traditionally considered to be the ones who are responsible for um, providing for the family but that's completely changed right and uh, uh, increasingly more more working women are realizing that um, uh, you know they have um, uh, whether it's their parents or their families uh, they're responsible for them and uh, they need to cover their life as much as uh, their husband needs to so Mm -hmm. uh, and and it's an undressed untapped
1: segment largely sure yeah. and that's uh, the part where i mean you're probably doing your own insights and choosing to over invest in some segments of the market compared to what competitors might be doing and compared to what you've done previous year Correct. as well Correct. So this is the growth of personality women who realize that they need to buy insurance yes very interesting and from a treatment and messaging perspective again uh, the story that you told on the facebook ad vis-a-vis what you're now communicating to maintain the context on the landing pages maybe can you give an example of what do you tell women for example there and then here is this uh, cut by age, by geography as well?
0: We don't have further segmentation in women. Uh, there's only one segment whether you're working or you're a homemaker. But yes, uh, we do want to have very contextual communication when we're talking to them. Sure. Uh, uh, because um, most, uh, in most cases, they're, uh, they're either trying to buy insurance to protect their kids or they're doing it for their parents. Sure. Uh, right, And um, the conversation we would have with them is very different. Mm. Uh, we can't use the creative with a, where a man is taking care of his family, uh, which is what we do for most of our creatives. Right?
1: Sure. So, uh, so that needs to change. And what I'm trying to uh, understand better is uh, the cuts, right? So you said the male to female cut uh, is a certain number. And then there is the age cut, which is the life stage equation.
0: Salaried, self-employed. Salaried
1: self-employed. So, you know, there are ultimately going to be X number of uh, ways of slicing the audience. And some of them will end up being the largest part of your lead share, uh, so to speak, which will hopefully, I mean, I don't know if the mix of lead share looks the same in the mix of revenue or is there very different conversion behaviors from different segments?
0: There are. So for instance, women uh, convert twice as much wow. compared to men. And that's
1: why I was saying it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, opportunity for you to spend more yeah, so time. The,
0: so when they come to our website and create a lead, they mean business. Hmm. They're not just goofing around Casual or uh, you know, just just <laughs> clicking on an ad and hmm. then seeing whether I want,
1: want it or not. So… So, yeah, Does it that. also show up in the sales cycle length?
0: Uh, I haven't looked at that uh, cut as yet, but I assume yeah, yeah I sure their, they
1: would. their uh, look-to-book window should be shorter, I'm assuming. Mm. So, Sameer, so we spoke pretty extensively about understanding how the different segments operate in terms of how they discover your uh, platform via ads and search for Facebook and then how they come onto the platform and what you do to continue the context, so to speak, right? But we also spoke about how the form fill rates are about 20% and how the fill rate to in the lead to... Uh, purchase rate which is a payment stage is a smaller percentage as well and I can imagine you'll be doing more multi-channel interventions to improve these metrics as well could you tell us a bit about uh, those
0: so um, in terms of uh, we call it chase or engagement Mm -hmm. Uh, we use we depend on various channels remarketing being one of them
1: Uh, we use sms email uh, web push and whatsapp um, so the first stage where the guy is 't filled with the form yet you won't have contact details, which means you'll be dependent on let's say a web push if if they've subscribed to our web push yes uh, we'll be able
0: to reach reach out to them via web push uh, otherwise, what we do is uh, the way our form is structured, we start with capturing the name then the phone number and then the four other fields that we captured so, so you're saying
1: it's even if you filled up the phone number and not submitted some you yeah, still be registered. Yeah so if yeah. you
0: tab out uh, from your phone number we call it lead initiated sure uh, we captured that event so we have hmm. a separate campaign which runs hmm. for lead initiated but lead not created okay that covers for another Let's say ten percent hmm. uh, of the total. But yeah, uh, the larger audience uh, who've not filled up the form, we will continue to reach out to
1: them through remarketing. Hmm, which or, is the display retargeting ad uh, ecosystem. Yes, and then. Uh, uh, but in terms of the level of recovery, you're able to achieve with that is that I mean, how does that number look? Of what you're able to re, I mean, bring back into the funnel using retargeting, for instance. Uh,
0: in terms of percentage, it's very difficult to. Um, uh, quantify this because okay. uh, uh, it's uh, tracking cookie across multiple mm. devices is not uh, easy. right? Yeah. So uh, I don't think whether we'll be able to figure out at a unique user's level, mm. uh, of the total people who drop out, how many are we able to uh, capture back. Yeah.
1: Okay. But you said the web push side, whoever subscribed, are you able to share a number on what percentage of people tend to be okay with web push versus not?
0: Uh, of hundred users who come on our website, I think ten to fifteen would subscribe to the web push.
1: And have you done a lot of experiments to improve this number in some sense?
0: Well, not not gone really aggressive. Um, mm. actually we've um, we've been working on a light app. so okay. recently we've launched our own app, mm. uh, which is uh, nothing but a wrapper uh, around our uh, website. Mm. So an Android wrapper on the mobile website and an iOS wrapper on mm. the mobile website. Uh, And hence now the app push also uh, comes into picture. But then this would mean
1: uh, the app to be utilized a lot for people who are coming into the platform to buy insurance for the first time or a lot more for people who bought it and then never want to continue engaging.
0: So the primary target uh, audience is existing customers and and also users who are uh, late in their purchase funnel. Uh, It's it's not meant for uh, top of the funnel
1: yeah because this is one more conversion step right because yes. whatever people are coming in if they're not even filling the form to expect them to install the app would be a sharper funnel yeah it's it's
0: not for the top of the funnel mm-hmm. it's for um, if you're late in the stage of buying uh, let's say if you already made the payment, Make the payment. or uh, you're at the stage of making the payment some people feel more comfortable making the payment on an app on an app um, i was just having this conversation with a friend uh, mm-hmm. where um, he is a existing customer with Max Life. And um, uh, the minute I told him that we've launched our own app, he said, okay, now I'm going to download the app and make the renewal payments on Mm. the app. Uh, And my question to him was, uh, but it's it's the same experience that you'll get on the website, it's just a wrapper. He said, no, uh, I'd rather do it on the app. Mm. So uh, in terms of the consumer psyche, uh, they are convinced that uh, if you have an app, it will provide a better experience. And
1: uh, it's it's a more trustworthy environment than… Besides, I have a strong relationship with the brand of bank insurance from, so I'm okay to retain that app on my phone and kind of watch Correct. it every once in a while. Correct. But what are the use cases except renewal, renewal payments? This is just once a year kind of a structure, right? So, uh, uh,
0: we're trying to work on engagement hmm. uh, as a key metric. See, um, what happens is uh, most of our customers who've bought uh, insurance, let's say there's a customer who's bought it for 40 years. The only touch points we have with that customer is during their renewal cycle, Correct. right? And we don't really go back and communicate or engage with them on a regular basis. Mm. However, uh, at various stages, we do try to cross-sell mm. another product to them, mm. right? And um, uh, at an org level, uh, the penetration is significantly high. Uh, one mm. customer would end up buying two, two and a half policies on an average, right? Sure. Uh, to be able to uh, cross sell hmm. or to be able to retain that customer for a long
1: period of time, engagement is uh, a must. So it's a definitely interesting topic, Samir. Yeah, but I'm yeah. going to hold this off and go back to our uh, 100 to 20, 20 to 4 because I'm dedicating a full part of the conversation to talk about what happens after this 4M made payment and you know how do you engage from there. Sure. But coming back to our step around multi-channel plays, you spoke about web push being an interesting channel and uh, the 100 to 20 journey. Uh, is aided a little bit recovery by the web push uh, yeah. of whatever people are able to do. So, what's the playbook there? How often do you engage? What do you say? How do you get people back into the form fill, so to speak? Right. Uh,
0: so, for web push, um, uh, we have a weekly calendar. Uh, we're not doing a very segmented uh, uh, funnel led conversation on the web push. Hmm. It's a, it's a standard uh, weekly calendar that we've created, uh, where uh, you know, let's say we we'll talk about. Um, uh, for instance uh, closer to the tax uh, date we were talking about um, that you know uh, 31st is the deadline for uh, uh, doing By your investments not. to save By tax. Not. So these are X, Y, Z that you so could the seasonality do. Seasonality
1: to it, and then there's a calendar approach to it, huh. which would uh, be yeah. communication flow. Yeah. So and so
0: we're just focusing on covering the full breadth hmm. of uh, what is it that we can, uh, what is it that we offer to the customers. Yeah. Books that should be the right posture to engage with. And way. more of an education initiative. Hmm. Uh, so engagement is the only objective as far sure. as web push is concerned. Okay. We're not evaluating web push from how many leads were generated or how many sales uh, mm-hmm. uh, were we able to get people from that able channel. To bring back into the yeah. How many are we able to bring back into the funnel? Mm-hmm. That's the only objective.
1: Fair. And so now these people have filled up the form and web push so far and retargeting was the other components of how do you get people to fill the form. But you said there's a, it's a multi-step form. So people who have put phone numbers versus people who have completed the whole form. I'm assuming that 20 is the people who completed the whole form. Yes. There's a larger number of people who have given you phone numbers. Another 10. Would, was given so, us. 10% data, phone numbers, but not the full form. Yeah. What happens yeah. with these guys?
0: So, uh, for them, we run a uh, uh, SMS uh, campaign, which is lead initiated, lead not created. Mm-hmm. We don't use WhatsApp for this because a lot of times these numbers are incorrect. Because if the user dropped off um, before completing the form, uh, there are there is possibility that they did not enter their correct sure. number or their full number mm. and so on. Uh, also, uh, because these users are uninitiated, um, uh, I- sending them a WhatsApp would be equivalent of spamming them. Sure. So, uh, so we use SMS and we don't uh, do too much communication. We mm. probably do two chases. Mm. Uh, one after 60 minutes of drop-off and one, let's say, another 24 hours mm.
1: after. And then we stop. Uh, but does this change basis versus the high intent guy versus a display guy to begin with?
0: Um. Not really, not really, because um, if you've come via search and you still uh, drop off uh, without filling the lead, we consider
1: that the intent was, intent was low. not as high as it could be. Sure, so then there is a 10% audience which has phone numbers, which would get a couple of SMSs as a chase, but then you kind of draw a line because you don't want to be persistent beyond that. Yeah. And now, uh, is there any more steps to the form where you have another set of people in there? No. No. So it's uh, either this people who fill numbers or it's the complete uh, lead form, right? So this yes. is 20% of your audience. Okay. Now this 20 to 4 journey, let's zoom in on this as to what happens, how does the drop off work and how do you cover for those needs?
0: So, uh, uh, once you've created lead, uh, the next step that you do is is basically selecting what plan works for you, right? Uh, I'll, I'll talk about term insurance specifically. Mm-hmm. So, how much cover do you need? Whether you need a 1 crore cover or a 2 crore cover? Till what age do you want to cover yourself? And till what age do you want to pay your premium? These are the three big questions that you mm-hmm. need to answer, right? And um, for the longest time, we assume that, um, you know, our journey is fairly simple. The UI is... Uh, uncluttered uncomplicated so the user should be able to uh, make these decisions on his own mm. uh, but lately we've realized that you know again um, uh, these are choices which uh, 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 a common user is not able to mm. make on their own they don't know till what age should they cover their life right it's it's not something which they are aware of uh, they it don't know come so simply yeah it's not yeah. that easy so now we've tried to create videos Uh, around each of these themes right so so how much cover do you need Uh, we are creating a video on that Uh, till what age should you cover yourself so it could be different for somebody who feels that all my liabilities get over at the age of 60 for that person you might want to cover your life only till 60 but for another person who feels that you know i will continue to have liabilities till the age of 70 or 80 mm. you would want to cover till that age mm. so mm. so it, it's different different for different users depending on uh, so it's like the wo-
1: little i button which if you click you will see a video where you I, this is how you decide how much to choose okay. Yeah. so
0: so we'll do this on the web journey as well as use WhatsApp uh for communication right. for so for users who are stuck on lead created hmm. but have not created a quote hmm. um, uh, our best assumption is that they have not been able to figure out hmm. how to select the right plan and sure. hence we try and assist them we call everybody we uh, oh, call everybody we, yeah we call hmm. everybody the minute you've created a lead oh, no wonder you have those hundreds of Yeah, telecallers. We have a lot of them. That's the nature of the business. So what we figured out in the past is that if we don't connect uh, in the first two to three minutes, uh, our connect route will drop to less than half. So so let's say in the first two to three minutes, we are likely to connect with 30% Hmm. of the users are likely to pick up the phone. Hmm. After that time, uh, it could drop to 10%. uh, And hence we try and at least connect once with the users in the first two to three
1: minutes. In small little nuance, I'm assuming your numbers is also true, call are verified so that it doesn't look spammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that is covered. Yeah, yeah. We do all of that. Yeah. Sure. So that's bread and butter for us. I would imagine so. Yeah. So now you have um, whatever of people filling up this form completely, getting to the plans page, and then getting a call from somebody in your team, whose, whose job is what? To kind of help them complete the form? So, their their job is to just move them one step forward. Okay.
0: So, if if they're at lead stage, their job is to at least get them to create a quote. Hmm. uh, If not, make a payment. A creator Uh, quote
1: would need you to enter those three things, right? How much, uh, till when and till when coverage. And and then
0: select riders. So, the second step before the quote is to select what riders do you need. Do you need additional... Uh, critical illness riders. Mm. Do you need s- additional accident riders, or but there this are is all a whole
1: bunch of education that needs to happen. So yes. is this something the telecaller would end up like explaining that you know how do you decide how much to choose? They, they have this.
0: a they have a standard script, hmm. uh, but there's only as much that they can cover in that call, right? So because uh, they're also wary of the fact that if they uh, go on educating the customer too much, they might lose interest and in just sure. drop off, right? Yeah. So it, Uh, you could be in the office while you're on the call. You could be on the move while you're on the call. So you may not want to talk to the agent for a very long time. And hence they try and focus on um, key propositions that the plan has to offer, uh, how are we
1: different uh, from others in the market. 90% plus drop off from lead to the payment. What are the big components in your impression? There is the generate code and then there is a view plan and then there is a so Lead
0: lead to code usually is a... um, uh, 40 to 50% movement. Okay. So 50% users. substantial. Yeah, it's substantial. Mm. So 50% of users don't move to court. Now, okay. I, I'm talking about this in the same session. Sure. Uh, if we look at it or a seven day or a 30 day, probably You'll the movement will be much larger. Sure. But in the same session, it's about 50% drop. Mm. Which means that 50% users, even after creating a lead, uh, are not able to either figure out uh, Uh, how to make a quote. An interesting observation that we got earlier was that most people are only coming to check their premium. Hmm. So the hook that they have is to check, okay, for me, how much would it actually cost to buy a 1 crore cover Hmm. or a 2 crore cover? And the minute we show them that premium, uh, we lose them. Uh, An interesting study that we did was um, uh, once you create a lead, uh, you land on the code page and uh, we were asking a couple of additional questions from the users. Uh, it was a simple uh, layover pop-up form uh, with tap uh, inputs mm. right So we were asking whether you're salaried or self-employed uh, and background mein code page load horata huh. uh, in the savings journey, the code page was dark uh, and you couldn't see what's there in the code page. But in this term journey, the code page is translucent and you could see uh, what okay. was there in the background. Okay. We saw here uh, almost 25% of the users did not even respond to that question, salaried or self-employed. Because it was just a tap response, but they did not move forward. They Mm. dropped off. Mm. You're banging our heads. Uh, You know, the UI seems okay. Uh, It doesn't seem to be adding too much friction to the user. Why are they, after filling their entire six field form, why are they dropping off? Because they saw their premium at the background. So... and, and, you know, in, uh, in the past, we've debated this multiple mm. times that why not have a quote first journey? Mm. Why force everybody to create a lead? Correct. You know, because most of them are coming to play with the calculator. Correct. That how much my term insurance costs. Mm. Uh, the minute we do that, our leads will go down Sadly by short. half. Yeah. Uh, if not more. So yeah, these are some interesting nuances. Uh,
1: this uh, uh, is the uh, constant battle, right? Because would you rather have higher quality leads, which have an intent, which is clear, or would you have a whole bunch of people who just intended to check quotes because you're spending money across the whole funnel for each of these. Every single call costs money, right?
0: See that uh, Again, uh, yeah, I'd like to talk more about that. Our mm-hmm. marketing uh, spends are uh, 90% of our overall uh, exactly. acquisition cost. The, the call center uh, spends that are uh, negligible. Okay. In, so the, in the overall Google scheme is, of things, uh, the call center costs are negligible.
1: So what you're saying then is uh, you don't mind uh, calling every customer yeah, because yeah. it's, it's a, anyways too sharp a yeah. stage.
0: The only downside is that uh, you know we're spoiling their experience. And, sure. and, and it's the, the frequency with which we are reaching out to them. Or when are we reaching out to them? Or how systematic we are hmm. about uh, when is the follow-up placed? Hmm. Uh, and is it as per their choice and convenience or not? That's something that we are working on. Sure. But um,
1: uh, we don't want to save money. Uh, That's it. not the problem area of chase. So now we've gotten to the point where you've used WhatsApp to improve conversion rates of uh, from the lead fill. but And you said half of the people end up looking at the quote and kind of moving out from there. Mm-hmm. But then there is a bunch of people who generate plans. And then from there, there's a much sharper drop once again. So what is that about and how do you solve for this?
0: So once you've created a quote, um, uh, from there on, it's mostly about urgency. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: And... uh, uh, you know ours is a category where uh, people usually kick the ball down the road, right so um, there, there's always something more important in your life, right sure. so you, you have to buy a new iPhone, it's definitely more important than buying insurance, right so <laughs> so uh, so that's that's uh, that's a constant uh, battle that we run. Mm-hmm. You would have seen uh, I don't know if you've you've been served those ads uh, typically uh, most people in the insurance industries have been running a lot of fire sales in sure. the last one year really? or two years because uh, there have been multiple price increases. So since COVID has hit, uh, the the mortality experience has worsened, hmm. uh, and because of that, uh, uh, our prices we get prices from the reinsurers, sure. and uh, that is baked into our overall pricing uh, and hmm. product strategy, right? So so because of that, the prices have been increasing, and every time there's a price increase, most insurers would say that you know, they'll start running a fire sale. month. So do whatever you want to do now. Hmm. And we've seen every time we've done a fire sale, um, the sales for that month go up by 30 to 40
1: percent. Indians love discounts, uh, right? Whatever it's you call More
0: it. than discounts, it's just that creating that urgency, urgency. that I am what I'm getting today I will not, will get, not get tomorrow. Uh, one month, one month hmm. later. The other key aspect that we leverage is birthdays. Okay. Right? So you're 34 right now. Uh, and you're turning 35 in a couple of months right so a couple of months later the premium will increase by 5 to 10% for you ah, and, because
1: age changes uh, the premium
0: and mm. over a lifespan let's say you're covering yourself for 40 years the total amount of money that you will end up paying is significantly mm. higher it just ah, if you delay the sooner, decision by uh, the
1: more you benefit from so
0: that. these are some uh, hooks and levers that we've mm. uh, been using but there's more work that we need to do in mm. terms of creating urgency because uh, in our category, we we are not able to run discounts. We're not able to run, uh, you know, promos or sales. Mm. Um, and hence, that's not a lever that's available to us.
1: Is that a regulatory topic? It's a regulatory. You can't kind of bribe people into we buying insurance. Yes. You can't we, offer it like…
0: You can't even give them Amazon vouchers. Uh, yeah,
1: Or like a hundred people, one would get an iPhone kind of stuff. You no, can't do all no, of that. you can't. Mm and and this is the same for every player so has anybody done something more innovative to drive conversions at this stage just from an urgency perspective mostly it's, like?
0: it's it's about price increases hmm. or it's about uh, tax deadlines uh, or your birthdays this is once a year yeah
1: I mean, so the opportunity I mean, as a system, of course, you have a, somebody's birthday every day, but tax deadline is only once a year for everybody. Correct. Which means the opportunity that you have to create this urgency is then only so many. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, one problem statement that we are wanting to solve is how do we create a new conversation every month hmm. to create some some sort of an urgency in, uh, in the it, absence
1: of incentives. So it's yeah. actually a very hard problem to kind of crack. But yes. there's also room for a lot of creativity in some yes. sense. Yes. But nothing changes from month to month, right? In that sense. Um,
0: it does. So uh, uh, let's let's talk about savings or investment-led uh, products, hmm. right? For instance, uh, we're talking about the market-linked products. So if you go on Policy Bazaar, you'd see that um, when the market is down, they'll talk about this is the right time to invest because uh, the market the is down. down yeah. And historically, every time the market has gone down, it's come, uh, back. come back and it's come back stronger. right? So they'll show graphs of yeah. how the market is... Uh, responded if the market is on the up they'll talk about uh, that it's a bullish sentiment now <laughs> it's, it's, this is the right <laughs> time to enter so sure. so so there are conversations that you can weave um, it's it's difficult uh, and you know given the IDI ambit, uh, this is am bit come to right yeah, I mean,
1: subject to market risk wala part twice yeah
0: we have, so we have to be careful that we don't uh, mislead the customer we don't use misinformation but yeah there's there is, there is room to play there's room to
1: play hmm. But then this would mean that the guy who came in for a term but was not finished his term closure, you will still try and get him to this uh, other thing. Correct. And this is actually not, I mean, I don't know if you will have multiple term insurances, maybe not. But at least this one you, will, you can always have multiple.
0: Ah, you can continue to invest. Uh, and increasingly people are realizing that um, more than maximizing your returns mm-hmm. every year. Uh, it's how long you stay invested uh, mm. makes more sense the and, bigger impact yeah and insurance by uh, construct itself is long term investment sure. right so most plans are 10 15 20 year mm. lock in mm. uh, so yeah th- this the the awareness about staying invested uh, for long term in a mm. in a mm. plan which gives you predictable returns is increasing mm. uh, And this category that's all
1: awareness yeah Okay, so if you're able to find a creative way of creating urgency more frequently, apart from the birthdays and the tax deadlines, that would be very powerful. Yes, yes. And yeah, I mean, then you'll be able to peg yourself more effectively against iPhones in some sense. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's only so far. But what I'm trying to now again zoom into is from a customer persona point of view does any of this change? Because people might be motivated by different things. So let's say the woman who is trying to insure for her parents if there is a Diwali or whatever festival and there are other occasions that happen through the year which are maybe gifting opportunities maybe something but uh, have you captured the birthdays of the parents in this scenario insurance has still not become a gifting um, uh, category
0: category so far Hmm. Uh, yeah but i mean
1: uh, it's a space that we can explore Uh, it's still idea which means it'll take its own time to mature Uh, but at this point there's no way to think if the behavior would be any different for the kind of different cuts you have at the starting point in terms of creating urgency uh,
0: uh, mostly life stage does uh, mm-hmm. have impact in terms of you know how
1: how motivated
0: you are to uh, invest or to take a term insurance uh, but we don't get to know your life stage with with that much accuracy right so we wouldn't know with um, at a 1 to 1 level whether this person just got married Hmm. Uh, we, we would only know this at a segment level so yeah but when the uh, telecaller
1: well if you were setting up a campaign which is two married people people who are clicking that campaign are likely to be married you don't carry still, the context still
0: forward. 70-80% accuracy sure okay yeah. so uh, it, it's still not um, they cannot still tell this with 9500% accuracy hmm. and hence Then um, uh, the
1: guy who's calling doesn't ask you this information
0: when he does yes so the minute he gets a grip on um, uh, what is the motivation behind uh, you come into the platform today, mm. they are able to weave the conversation in
1: that direction. But that's what the telecaller would do. But does yes. any of this carry forward to your re-engagement or Not whatever? Not yet.
0: Not yet. So mm. um, uh, there's a lot of, in terms of leveraging technology uh, to hyper personalized communication mm. uh, there's a lot that we do on the marketing side on mm. the website sure. but uh, we've not been able to weave that seamlessly on the sales side mm. while there are signals that flow from the website or the marketing campaigns to sales mm. but flowing them back from sales to uh, uh, this side has mm. not been uh, we've it's not been a tried question
1: to solve for in terms yeah. of what all the structured inputs you will take and what would these structured inputs mean and how would they translate into uh, also also a lot business. of
0: times uh, there's human bias. Right. Yeah. So, uh, when a telecaller is interacting with somebody, uh, if he is not in the mood today, uh, he could tag that lead as, lead as let's say, uh, uninterested or not eligible. Mm. Uh, I can't take that as, uh, uh, you know, uh, as truth and then feed that into my yeah. uh, system. I have to look at other surrogates. Mm. Uh, of well, whether this will end, end up being a
1: lead score of some sort where this carries yeah. some weightage but yeah. not 100% yeah. in some yeah. sense. Yeah. Very interesting. So, it's a comprehensive play clearly to be done. So, so Sumi, we spoke pretty extensively about how the journey from campaigns to leads happens, how from leads to quotes and plans happens, and to payments happens. People have paid money, and that's whatever sharp level; It's still a substantial number. Now, from this point, what happens next? You know, maybe is there a step uh, after this also that people tend to drop off at? I would imagine that to be a small because I've already committed, but I don't know. You'd have to tell me there.
0: Yeah, no. So, uh, there is further uh, drop after that so of 100 people who are making payment we are able to issue a policy uh, when I specifically talk about term only Mm. to 75 okay, uh, 70 or 75 so 25 to 30 people uh, either not they are not able to furnish uh, income documents to Mm. substantiate their um, uh, income or there is some um, uh, finding in their medical tests uh, which either uh, means that uh, for the same cover they have to pay more uh, we call it a counter offer because, let's say, you're diabetic or uh, you have some other mm. um, uh, illness which makes you a more risky life. Sure. Right. So, we'd say, okay, for the same cover, you have to pay extra. And when, every time we give a counter offer, uh, uh, a chunk of the users
1: uh, drop off. They'd say, sure. okay, nahi, matlab uh, So, you said 75% would get it or 75% would get it at the terms they were offered to start with?
0: 75% would g- eventually get issued okay. right? which includes uh, people who would have offer sab mm. 75 would get their policy issued 25 mm. would not so that 25 would made payment were not able to buy right? could be because let's say they had uh, during the covid we had a policy that if you've had covid in the last three months then you cannot buy insurance mm. so so there are these these underwriting guidelines keep evolving and keep changing but you don't change it at the top of the funnel it it's down the road. Yeah, and we do a very bad job at keeping this set of audience warm, hmm. right? So uh, because uh, they've already gone through from that hundred to four stage, right, and they've been with us through the funnel, they made payment. Uh, ideally, we should be able to uh, at the least, uh, give them some other
1: product. if you
0: will be it But wo e, hmm. method, these journeys are not stitched as hmm. yet because most of our focus. Uh, uh, has been till the payment stage and we've not sure. really invested a lot of time yeah. beyond that. It's
1: also a function of how the org is designed and yeah. how many things and you care about it. In yeah. Your mind. Yeah. So it's, hmm. it's just, we've just not been able to
0: prioritize this leg hmm. of the journey, but yeah, there's, there's a significant role. To kind of recover that. Yeah. Okay. So that's one. The, the second thing that uh, becomes key is uh, upsell. Hmm. Right. So at the time of sale, as I was, as I was mentioning, uh, you know, a call center agent would, typically sell a 1 crore cover mm. uh, and the combination which gives, po- poses least resistance, right. However, uh, once you made the payment and uh, uh, either your policy is issued or you're awaiting issuance, mm. you can actually have that conversation that, you know, maybe for you, uh, a 1 crore is not enough, you, you should a- actually look at a 2 crore gross. and mm. it's only this much more money. Mm. Or let's say, um, uh, you know, this is a rider that you had not added, would you consider? So so th- there's a fair amount of upsell conversation that can happen. So the ideas
1: also change premium.
0: Yeah. And uh, even after uh, your policy is issued, because the underwriting has given a decision. Um, at this stage, we know that what are you eligible for?
1: Can you zoom into a little bit in terms of the underwriting part as to what's that cycle length like and is that a manual process? Somebody would look at it, kind of put some sort of a decision uh, framework back and then it will get decided. How does it so work? So
0: from payment to issuance, it would take, let's say, about a couple of weeks, uh, two weeks. in total. Hmm. Um, one week, uh, uh, this this would cover 90% uh, of, of the, the customers. right? Sure. So um, let's say about one week, you take in furnishing all your documents, uh, filling up that form, uh, and uh, doing medicals. Okay. So sometimes uh, there are home medicals, uh, people, somebody will come to your home and take uh,
1: uh, a sample. But do you facilitate that or would people yes. have to do it on their own? No, no, we facilitate, that.
0: we facilitate that.
1: Or sometimes you have to go to the center for a medical. But this uh, is like, is there a system around tracking yes. the appointment, okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes. Or your system, partner system, how does it work?
0: It's our system, but then we have to integrate with multiple TPAs. Mm. And, and um, uh, again, the, the backend system of all of this is disjointed. Right. So uh, often uh, what is actually happening at the back end, we will not be able to communicate the same to the customer. So
1: there's a fair amount
0: of uh, uh, work that needs to be done here. Uh, but having said that, yes. So, so let's say about a one week time to, to get all the documents and medical and everything in order. And then another three, four days uh, time for the underwriting uh, decision. So that's hmm. how it's typically a 10 day cycle. Uh, but, but there is room
1: to reduce friction here, which might improve this yes, number. Yes. Okay. But in terms of your communication flows, this will end up being a lot of phone calls now. All yeah. So inside. most
0: mostly it's a, a call center driven chase. Uh,
1: because as I mentioned, the back end systems yeah. are not fully integrated. But this call center uh, would be able to see that the appointment was but he didn't kind of go for it. So now I have to remind him to take the next appointment oh, correct, or whatever. Correct, correct. That will work. Correct. Got it. So let's say that we've kind of got to a place where people have bought policies, they've been issued policies, and now it's time to cross sell, upsell, renew. So, yeah. cross sell, upsell uh, windows are about the riders, perhaps, in some sense, increased coverage, perhaps, in some sense, and the other product line itself. So, somebody who's taken term might be able to take the uh, investment product. Right? Correct. So, how does that play out in terms of uh, how do you decide who to sell what to, and how do you actually go about it in terms of communication flows?
0: So, in the first one month uh, after policy issuance, we call it the free look period. Uh at that point in time, a customer is free to cancel their policy and they okay. get all their money back. Wow. Right. So that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what percentage? Uh, it's very less. So it's about 2% two, two or 1%. Uh, it's very like, less. You
1: know, I was looking at a funnel and do drop, 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 drop. It's just so disappointing in some sense. But yeah, that's <laughs> the reality of the life.
0: That's the reality of the business, how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, so during the free look period, while you're uh, free to cancel your policy, you're also free to upgrade. Okay. Right. So, you can add riders, you can mm. uh, increase your sum assured, you can reduce the payment term that you have. Let's say initially you said it's a 40 year policy, you will make premiums, you will pay premiums in 40 years. But now you feel that you will pay karke karte hai, it in 10 years. And it man. essentially. Yeah. So, you but can do all this of that. Will it
1: go to an underwriting cycle or will it not?
0: So, uh, no, it does not. It does okay. not go to the underwriting cycle because uh, by now the underwriting is already given. Uh, that what are, are you eligible for? Mm. So we know like that this customer bought actually a 1 crore cover, but he's eligible for a 2 crore cover. Mm. So we know. Okay. Oh, so we have already okay.
1: defined the outer limit of what can be offered to this yes. guy. So it's,
0: it's it's all very easy. Mm. Uh, and hence, the first month, uh, our effort mostly is on upsell. After that one month, uh, yeah, you, your question was what to decide, uh, what to sell mm. So it's, it's mostly a factor of, uh, let's say there's a, a person whose income was 30 lakhs. And he's bought a 1 crore cover. So, uh, our pitch to that person would be, uh, I think you should take yes. a higher cover because mm-hmm. you're eligible for more and you need to take more to be able to cover uh, your, lifestyle. your life. Mm. So, uh, for somebody who's, whose income was 10 lakhs and he's bought a 1 cover, we'll probably not pitch uh, a higher That's cover. A, mm. But uh, depending on what riders you've taken, we'll pitch riders which you've not taken. And how many uh, riders
1: are usually available? 4 to 5 riders. 4 to 5 riders. Usually. So, accident. Trend. Critical illness type of stuff. Yeah, so
0: there's accident, there's critical illness, there's a waiver of premium rider, uh, then there's there's a rider
1: in which you get all your money back uh, mm. at the
0: end of the policy. And each of them
1: have a price point yeah. and it's it's kind of like a card where you can yes. add stuff.
0: Yes. So so depending on what you've taken and what you've not taken, we would
1: uh, pitch that to you. So this is the first one month of very aggressive activity of getting him whatever else yes. he wants to edit in his original order and yeah. then let's say X percent of people would buy something or the other. So you're yes. able to upsell to a certain level. Yes. The,
0: the second thing that we try to uh, do in the first month, uh, we've not been able to crack it, is convert this transactional relationship into uh, an actual relationship. Right. Now, um, with most online purchases, you you know that it's it's a transaction. Right. And, yeah. and because there's nobody who's met you face to face, there's no relationship which is established. Unlike... Uh, the traditional way the insurance is sold, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's an agent who would know you through some relatives or friends sure. and family, would come to your house, uh, would understand what life stage you're at, would would help you discuss, you know, would discuss your overall financial needs uh, and then uh, right. pitch something to you. And that person would continue to attend, uh, you know, family functions or uh, uh, be more of a friend, uh, than a sales agent, right? Sure. So so we have to actually come close to that. A and trust bar, yeah.
1: I mean, that has to be crossed. Yeah, yeah. so we, we
0: still don't have all the answers. And uh, we're trying to figure out ways and means but to have, work around. Have you this.
1: seen somebody do something which you really like, that this is, sounds great and I should consider this? So there's one
0: thing that we started to do is, uh, you know, we used to send policy pack. Uh, so after policy issues, uh, you know, your document was sent online. Yeah. And, online. And, and then a courier was sent to you mm-hmm. as a physical copy. Now we've started uh, to have a relationship manager for every mm. customer. Okay. And then that person would go uh, to your house, take appointment from you and then deliver the policy pack to you uh, and in from person. from a cost
1: structure perspective, this is okay for you?
0: It's okay for us because then again, the, the larger objective is how do we convert this transaction into sure. a relationship? Mm. Uh, and this person would then sit down with you and explain the nuances of the policy. right? So even, even for folks who are buying insurance online, I'd say uh, 70 to 80 of them, would not know all the nuances of that plan. Absolutely. They've bought it, but there are a lot of terms and conditions which are uh, often unsaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he would explain those fine prints to you and you know uh, all nitty gritties and so on. And then uh, hopefully, uh, he'll be able to assess you now your other um, uh,
1: financial planning it needs. Give something now, this whole expansion opportunity, so to speak, right? You said this whole intensity of the first one month to expand, but the investment as a company you'd be prepared to make with be somewhat proportional to the amount of room there is to expand. Now, when somebody has already bought, let's say, X amount of things, and I mean your basket is not as huge as some of the other insurance players, is, which means you have only so much to offer. So, is there a conscious effort to also expand the offerings to be able to utilize the relationship better? Because what are you going to do with it eventually? There's only three things to sell.
0: Yeah, uh, of course. So, uh, you know, about a couple of years back, we were only selling term insurance sure, as so a product on the, path on the of website. Now we have, let's say, two other uh, mm. strong savings product, one market linked mm. and one guaranteed. Mm. So we now have three products sure. that we offer. right? Mm. And we're trying to expand the bouquet. Uh, yeah. Of course, um, you know because we're still selling these products online we have to ensure that they reach a certain scale mm. and uh, they're easy to understand uh, for the users as mm. an organization we would have let's say
1: 15 or 20 That's different insurance plans, under- plans. I mean, the side is, uh, you have only so much but yeah. otherwise max has a lot of things yes yes so yeah um, but it's a conscious choice to hold back those releases online or because you you
0: have to build buying journeys for each product right uh, the uh, the communication uh, that you would do for each of those products will depend on the features that they have uh, your call center team needs to be trained on. Yeah. Uh, so it's
1: a lot of operational work, which is yes, then making yes. into a path instead of. I mean, it's not a yes or no decision; it's a sequencing. Yes, it's yes. When does everything come online? Yes. But let's say that this is not all there on the level one, where there's lead gen happening or the call conversion happening. But this, at least in some form, there on the cross sell and upsell side of things, the remaining parts from the portfolio, the whole non c portfolio, so to speak. Not yet, not okay. yet,
0: because uh, again. Um, we are exploring omni-channel
1: uh, uh, I was going to ask you, so could I be a customer for DUC for product 1 and this guy for product 2 and these two systems don't know each other. Is that currently possible? I didn't understand. So I'm saying if I'm a customer for let's say a term insurance from the D2C platform where I bought this and completed my journey and got the policy document. I also have one more product from your overall business which I bought via an agent or whatever route offline. Great. And these two systems don't necessarily know that I'm the same guy.
0: The systems would be connected at the back end. But mm-hmm. what would happen is the, the D2C journey would
1: run their own cross-sell and the agent would uh, run his own cross-sell. Right, so... Uh, so the- business level i mean the agent would run his own process but agent would have i mean typically he's not only selling job products he's selling everything else he's also which means his yes. cross sell play will end up being not necessarily Th- not there's available.
0: there's something called as the customer ownership policy that sure. we have right and which is i think which is which exists in most bfsi yeah. uh, setups so if if the customer was acquired through the agency they have the right to cross-sell to the customer. They uh, also have the right to cross-sell, hmm. but you also do.
1: Uh, only they have the right to cross-sell to only the customer. Only they have the right to cross-sell. If, if it's acquired through the agency. If it's uh, so an agency would mean a whole bunch of these offline. Insurance agents, fleet on street, this, that, yes. whatever, plus all these aggregators also, right? Yes. yes. But you know, when I've bought an insurance from a CoverFox, I still get the renewal reminders from a Sri Ram or AXR or whatever. Does that work like that? Or is this guy only supposed to do my renewals?
0: And uh, now you've got the aggregator uh, in between. yeah. So uh, aggregator is just another layer between the customer and the brand. Are you're not treating him as an
1: agent? Or are you treating him as an agent?
0: No. So... Uh, uh, in terms, of the, in terms of a customer being acquired through the aggregator portal, the brand would continue to uh, have they their own renewals, uh, renewals so and communication.
1: Cross-sells also potentially if you were to have yes, it. Yes. But you're saying why the agent route that ownership remains with the agent?
0: So, uh, wait, it's a blurred boundary. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the bigger understanding is that whichever channel is acquiring the customer, they own the customer. If not for the entire lifetime, at least for the first six months, one okay. year. So,
1: you're, and, uh, you need to cross-sell everything to this guy who's acquired by an agent, would suddenly open up at P plus six months yeah. and then you'll want to make sure you maximize the relationship as yeah, well. Yeah. But very interesting to understand that you know, you're know you running the whole D2C piece but there's a lot of tech adoption that will become a part of the larger insurance play as well. And I'm now kind of curious to understand that uh, in the whole cross-sell play if you're not even cross-selling the remaining 15 products to your current acquired customers is there a view on how does the whole tech transformation of this play looks like at the org level?
0: So uh, yeah, just just to answer your question, we are trying to build uh, digital cross-sell journeys mm. uh, irrespective of where the uh, customer was acquired from. Sure. Uh, and we want to make it as simple as possible. So because mm. we already know you, we have your information. Sure. Ideally, uh, buying another product should be a couple of clicks uh, for you at max. right? You, uh, We'd want to build eventually what is called as the cus- offer section. For existing customers, yeah. where they come, uh, they see, okay, this is what I have already bought. These are some other pre pre-appro- approved uh, products is that are. Ambos, right? Uh, I mean,
1: when you have an app on the guy's phone, then there's like he's coming to you frequently enough, hopefully, for various reasons. Correct. And then you have all of those in those two. Correct. correct. So these go. are
0: some of the other offerings that are available. And you, know, you select uh, which one is more um, uh, relevant for you and then go and make the payment. Sure. Now, uh, the attribution. Is something that the organization has to solve sure. at the back end. Mm. And it shouldn't become a barrier for the customer. Mm. Uh, so what we're trying to do is solve for the customer in terms of creating digital uh, cross-sell and upsell journeys. And then we'll we'll figure out how to manage uh, uh, you know uh, which channel gets Reporting for
1: it. topics and not business impact. Yeah. You still don't yeah. want to make business impact. So, you know what would be very interesting to understand is you're running a right now a hundred, fifty-to-ditro kind of scale of business on the D2C side of things where you're Dominantly acquiring new customers for three of these products, and there's some amount of cross sell. I don't know what's the contribution of uh, cross sells like if you're 10
0: percent, 10 percent of our overall business would be cross sell. Whereas mm. for uh, the offline channels, whether it's mm. just the agency or the bank, almost 40 to 50 percent of their
1: business really comes from so. existing customers. And from a contribution to the overall business, the uh, see contribution to the larger business, I'm assuming those are numbers that are shareable, right? What, what does that look like? so
0: e ecom's contribution to overall uh, max life in terms of customers i am now i'm talking about e ecom which includes aggregators sure. as well mm. uh, is uh, close to 25% so uh, out of every 100 new customers acquired mm. by the organization uh, 25 come from how is the uh, share changing
1: e-com. over the last few years is that yes. yeah, i'm I- sure it's gaining share right yeah it's been increasing yes mm. because
0: uh, the e ecom uh, channel is growing faster than of uh, course.
1: other channels hmm. And that would essentially mean more mandate and more resources and more kind of prioritization to getting more stuff into the e-com food, right? Because Correct. if you're doing a more efficient job and getting a lot more data about the equation in and also letting the ownership of the customer come back to the brand compared to the agent. Correct. Because while, of course, the agent is valuable to you, you don't want to completely leave out the option of eventually being able to cross sell those guys. The agent also has a non-exclusive relationship, right? And you don't want to have an exclusive relationship on the reverse. So very interesting. So now... Now, just in terms of the digital transformation journey of the entire Max Life group, how does the org look like? Because I'm sure this is like a dipping toes play where you've already scaled to a fairly decent level and you're doing 25% of the overall business digitally. But there's a lot more. And how does the org look like in terms of, and this is the same problem statement a lot of, I would imagine insurance companies, CMOs, CIOs, uh, and CDOs for that matter would be considering, so, okay, we need to go digital. We need to do a more comprehensive job on digital. A lot of them would have tried the marketplaces for sure. Some of them have also put in their D2C foot forward and then people like you have run that show and kind of scaled to a certain level. But how does this ecosystem look like right now?
0: Um, Yeah, so uh, I think most um, uh, insurance players have now realized that uh, uh, e-com has to be a key focus area uh, in terms of their uh, future strategy. Uh, most of them have still uh, indexed, over-indexed on aggregators, sure. and and for them, e com continues to, uh, uh, you know, mean uh, the business that they're sourcing from aggregator because the D2C play is is long-term, uh, and it requires significant investments, uh, not just on. Um, uh, tools uh, on marketing but also on people and processes sure. right? so uh, it's a long term play hmm. uh, but now uh, there are more brands which are jumping would onto the bandwagon. would
1: this easier right? if the upfront investments was all SaaS because SaaS is a monthly subscription payment for the most part so if somebody like a cover SaaS, somebody like a webbing age solves a big part of your technology infra problem Techno- should te- ideally make your... Technology, you yes. Uh,
0: uh, there are tools uh, that can solve the technology, mm-hmm. but marketing would still continue to be of expensive. Course. right? Yeah. So uh, in terms of, uh, let's say, our cost of acquisition, uh, where we are today is uh, because of the last five years or six years that we've invested. right? So we would have started at 2x of where we are or even 3 or 4x. Where we are today in terms of what it took to acquire one customer, right? So and so
1: your CACs have gotten more efficient with time, obviously.
0: Significantly, and 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 it it wouldn't uh, if you were to evaluate our business in isolation mm-hmm. four years back or mm-hmm. five years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd say that this is not profitable, doesn't make sense, shut it down. Right? So, so what you're
1: saying is, for the larger insurance companies which are used to doing business in a certain profitable, sensible, long-term fashion, it doesn't seem like D2C is a very effective channel simply because it's It's, just a, it's a
0: loss-making uh,
1: channel. At least for the first three years, it'll be loss First loss-making. four to five years, yes. Ooh, which then raises a the big question: and why at all if you have to do it? But help me understand this. Now, when you had this question of uh, spending aggressively in marketing, most of these are known brands. Max itself is a somewhat known brand. So, isn't there a consumer expectation to find you online and be able to do business with you online and build that relationship online? There's a certain percentage of consumers who would be looking for this, right? So, by not doing E2C, you're ultimately just sending all of that business to a cover fox or or aggregator. So, a lot of lot of brands
0: have now created websites. Mm. They have created buying journeys, but they don't, they're not still investing Aggressive in growing vision.
1: that business. Mm. Yeah. So, while they've opened up that f- storefront. So, whatever comes uh, organically uh, comes, but we yeah. don't have go more than that. Correct. And that's a conscious choice because the bids are just crazy. There's Correct. no point. Correct. Hmm. Interesting. And is there a macro level trend that you think will change this? Because economically the way V C funded aggregators will have money to burn on this acquisition, a traditional business will never see value. Correct. So, what's been your stance you've decided to grow here and you've invested and you've played that forex cac Vala game also yes yeah, so away
0: uh, i mean there there were uh, thanks to uh, you know the the senior leadership team at that point in time about four or five years they mm-hmm. had that vision, yeah, that, vision and uh, that we had to we have to invest in this business mm-hmm. and we have operated at uh, uh, obnoxious cacs for for uh, a few years sure. but but when we look at the business in isolation today uh it it plays a significant, uh, you know, contribution to not just to revenue or customers, but even to the bottom line
1: of the organization. Oh. And, uh, and I would imagine whatever you're doing on digitally is not purely, I mean, while of course you attribute the cost to the digital CAC, but it will have a bearing on everything you're doing on the larger business as well. You
0: should be able to measure, as I mentioned earlier, mm. you should be able to measure that your website is not just a gateway for acquiring online customers, correct. it's a gateway for Uh, assisting a lot of your offline uh, sales effort as well. I remember you
1: mentioned a lot of the agent-driven business also does homework online and they want to educate themselves better and then they like a face to kind of get that trust part component short. So when you're saying the other bunch of people aren't doing the storefronts but not investing in that, they're at least covering the base in terms of the presence should be decent, well invested because marketing money is not a problem. You're investing on all sorts of channels, any which way. I think one of the biggest advertisers on television and IPs and all of that tend to be insurance companies because... The headroom to grow the category is huge. correct. And that's where if this becomes, let's say, more economically sensible to do this, should might be uh, making it easier. Okay. And uh, from that perspective, the right kind of investments which are going to suit the online presence. And you spoke about education and category uh, creation in a meaningful fashion, where you kind of pretty much going the media route where this is a neutral-ish kind of viewpoint on insurance advisory and buying decisions. Is that a pattern that you think will uh, come from the larger industry players as well to invest on content and education? Because there's still room to sell a lot of people their first insurance product.
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, becoming um, uh, the destination for uh, advisory or Mm. neutral content on, on the industry is even a... Uh, longer term play hmm. than creating a D2C business right a D2C business will still take 4 to 5 years and will start yielding results from sure. the second year or the third yeah. year right yeah. whereas creating uh, uh, just thought leadership through content uh, will look like charity to most
1: uh, yeah uh, but that's kind of how brand investments also work right I mean if it comes from a funnel led kind of conversion led approach and cax you will never see the work out but the guy is spending way more on advertising on TV which you don't necessarily have a path to calculating the math on.
0: I think we, uh, what I'm trying to say is that uh, uh, I believe the number of brands who put their money
1: uh, in behind this effort would be lower yeah. than mm-hmm. compared to the ones who are wanting to be... This uh, might have to do with the current market share and the ambitions in the market share because somebody will want to be more aggressive to grab more share of correct. You know, whatever new incoming. Moves. Correct. Very interesting, Samir. This has been a very enlightening conversation for me to understand how you're currently operating and while you've acknowledged that you're five and 10, I think from all the different people I've spoken to in the insurance industry, I don't think you're there. You're ahead of a lot of them. But of course, there is going to be always room to improve. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thanks for having coming. Thanks, thanks so much. Lovely yeah. talking. So, well, that was an interesting conversation with Sameer, who leads the entire D2C business for MaxLife Insurance. Uh, some would think of that as a very traditional, very not-so-savvy business, but the amount of sophistication Sameer has brought to the table is quite fascinating. Uh, the nature of the business is such that they can actually afford fairly steep CACs, uh, customer acquisition costs. At the same time, the funnel is quite sharp. So, out of 100 people that come in, probably 20 fill up the form. And then downstream also, there's a much, much sharper uh customer conversion eventually. So that makes the problem more complex but at the same time more interesting because they're playing with a lot of content and trust elements and user-generated content elements to improve trust and improve the funnel overall. What's interesting is MaxLife is pretty much ahead of the curve in terms of how they've invested and grown their T2C portfolio of businesses. They also have a very clear visibility on how it's gonna scale out in future. Uh, But Samir was pretty modest in terms of acknowledging that he's on a scale of 5 on 10 with respect to his own Martech adoption aspirations. That's great to hear. Hopefully, uh, they move from 5 to 10 soon and hopefully you guys too. So let's uh, wish Samir all the best with moving from 5 to 10 on his journey to Martech adoption and maturity. I hope you found this useful and you're on track with your own journey to move from 5 to 10 on Martech adoption and maturity. All the best.